We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 292 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Two weeks from today is round one of the 2022 NFL Draft. Yes, two weeks from today, our commanders will make a selection with the number 11 pick in that 2022 draft, assuming that our commanders hold on to that number 11 pick and do not trade up or down, what will emerge between now and then with the commanders? Oh, I'm not talking about football, okay? Of course, it is never, ever just about football with our football team. No, I'm talking about the scandals, uh, the workplace misconduct scandal, the financial scandal. Uh, congressional involvement in the scandals, uh, where we are headed with Dan Snyder as owner of the team off the scandals. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera and or Martin Mayhew will be doing a pre-draft press conference sometime soon, especially if it is Don Ron doing the presser. I mean, how much of the presser is going to be about the scandals and all of this non-football stuff that continues? to consume our team. I mean, hopefully we can talk some football over these next few weeks. I love to talk football with you. Uh, I would love for the pre-draft press conference to be primarily a football press conference. But look, you can't ignore all of this other stuff. We shouldn't ignore all of this other stuff. All of this other stuff matters. All of this other stuff is a very big deal. And yes, this other stuff ultimately is connected to the football because who your owner is can very much impact your football operations as we have come to know over the last few decades. Hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports show or podcast that is with you every weekday morning, not just a few times a week, but every weekday morning and also early 
as each episode is out by the 5 a.m. hour. We remain top 70 in the country on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category. I thank you very much for that. Uh, Next segment, I want to talk more about the scandals from which the commanders cannot escape, uh, including a rather humorous announcement by the commanders on Wednesday. Well, the announcement was somewhat humorous, but the reaction to the announcement was even more humorous. I'm also going to talk about a notion that at first may seem outrageous, but perhaps is not as outrageous as we might think. If Dan Snyder is guilty of all of this alleged financial impropriety, and it all can be proven and is proven, could it be that Dan and others get charged with a crime or crimes? In other words, could this financial scandal end up leading not to just Dan losing the commanders, but Dan going to trial? And if you go to trial and are determined to be guilty, could this financial scandal lead to Dan going to prison? Uh, I know we are a ways away from that, but the mind does wander with everything going on. And at this point, How can you completely dismiss the possibility of anything with all of this scandal stuff that continues to envelop our football team? I mean, the more as time goes on, the further these scandals seem to go in terms of congressional involvement and details revealed, who knows where all of this is going to take us? Now, I know the possibility very much remains that nothing ends up happening to Dan Snyder, and he once again wins, and he once again is laughing like a hyena at all of us. But the possibility of Dan Snyder being done, and in a variety of ways, also exists. Uh, Also, on the show, uh, I want to discuss our commander's quarterback, Carson Wentz, uh, specifically something about his contract of big quarterback contract news in the NFL on Wednesday, the Las Vegas Raiders signing Derek Carr to a contract extension. I will talk Nationals, a very nice 3-1 win for the Nats at the Atlanta Braves on Wednesday afternoon to win the series two games to one. Yes, the Nats took two of three at the team that won the World Series last season. The Atlanta Braves, Josiah Gray and the bullpen were terrific. And I will talk Orioles. Uh, They lost to the Milwaukee Brewers 4-2 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Wednesday night to lose 2-3 of in that series. But the biggest item from the game, John Means leaving it due to left forearm tightness. Uh, Not good. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Tundi on the owner of our commanders, Dan Snyder, writes Tundi. Al, is there any aspect of the franchise that Dan has improved in his 20-plus years of ownership. I can't think of a single thing. Uh, Well, there certainly aren't many things. Uh, The team last August per Forbes was valued at $4.2 billion, uh, making the team the fifth most valuable team in the NFL. So Dan having the team 
as being top five in the NFL in valuation performs is something. But even that comes with caveats because the rate of increase in value of the team over the years has lagged behind the rates of increase in values of many other NFL franchises. And the value of the commanders now could be higher if not for the team having major problems, you know, selling tickets and keeping sponsors. I mean, losing Anheuser-Busch, a deal that reportedly was worth around $4 million per year, does not do wonders for the value of the team. But beyond the team being top five in the NFL in valuation per Forbes, I mean, what other improvements or just positives, period, are there to cite for Dan Snyder as owner of the team? He did bring Joe Gibbs out of retirement in 2004. I guess you can cite that. Uh, And that was exciting. That was a really big deal when that happened. But the results with Gibbs as Redskins team president and head coach 2004 through 2007 were mixed. You know, the results were not great. Uh, The team has a mere two playoff wins during Dan's ownership tenure. The team has had a truckload of scandals and controversies and embarrassments during Dan's ownership tenure. Not a lot of positives, not a lot of improvements to cite from the ownership tenure of the Danny. Uh, Email from Eric of Weedman on why the Indianapolis Colts traded Carson Wentz to our commanders. Writes Eric, I did have a thought with regard to the Colts' attitude about Carson Wentz. In no way does this diminish the red flags and concerns, but the Colts have been rather spoiled for a long time at quarterback. 10-plus years of Peyton Manning, 5-plus years of Andrew Luck, a year with Phillip Rivers. The Colts have become accustomed to and probably expect franchise, if not Hall of Fame-level play from their quarterbacks. Is it possible that expectations are above reality? Uh, Thank you for the email, Eric. You know, that's a great point. The Colts are one of the more spoiled franchises in the NFL in terms of having been blessed with high-level quarterback play for years now. What's pretty clear is that the Colts trading Carson Wentz after just one season with them had a lot to do with the owner and CEO, Jim Irsay, turning on Wentz for a variety of reasons. I do think it's quite possible that one of the reasons that Irsay turned on Wentz is that Irsay has become so used to having these top-notch quarterbacks. And so when a guy isn't up to the standard of a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck regarding play and leadership, then that stands out to Ursay and the Colts, probably more than that stands out to many other NFL teams. You know, when you're used to eating filet mignon and you get served a hamburger, you notice that the hamburger isn't the filet mignon. Now, that doesn't mean that the hamburger isn't good, or at least can't be good, but it's not the filet mignon. You see, our team, the team now known as the Commanders, when it comes to the quarterback position, the Commanders are used to eating breadcrumbs, okay? The Commanders are starving, and so a hamburger seems awfully good right now, uh, even though a hamburger is not filet mignon. Uh, Email from Vinny Marciano on a significant change at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Writes Vinny, if you have a chance, can you explain the change to the left field wall? at Camden Yards. I didn't know the O's had made a change until I was watching the home opener. Uh, Yes, Vinny, I actually talked about the change at length a few months ago, uh, back in January on episode 230 of the podcast. So the changes to the left field wall 
at Oriole Park at Camden Yards are the wall having been pushed back 26 and a half feet into the seating area and the wall having been raised from 7 feet 4 inches to an even 13 feet. Uh, These are the first changes to the playing area at Oriole Park at Camden Yards since modest changes were made before the 2001 season. And this season, as you likely know, we are marking the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The basic idea here with these changes to the left field wall are to make Camden Yards less of a home run park. The best measure of how home run happy Major League Baseball ballparks are is Baseball Savant's Park Factor, which is based on StatCast data. 100 is league average. Anything above 100 is above average in terms of the frequency with which home runs are hit in that ballpark by batters relative to how often those batters homer in other ballparks. Here's all you need to know. Oriole Park at Camden Yards was a top 12 in the majors in Park Factor eight times over the last 10 seasons and was top five in the majors in Park Factor four times over the previous 10 seasons. And it's not just that. Orioles executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias in a virtual press conference this past January admitted that he has gotten a sense from free agent pitchers that they are reluctant to sign with the O's because of the home run happy nature of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Uh, Camden Yards has been a bandbox for years. The O's are trying to change that. And honestly, I don't blame them. Uh, The O's need to try to somehow figure out how to finally be a team that can pitch in a halfway decent way because the O's have been a terrible pitching team for the most part for decades now. The O's are trying to change the image of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Perhaps Mike Elias should use Image Works in trying to recruit free agent pitchers. Nothing is smarter if you own, run, or work at a business than using Image Works. Uh, grow your business, better market your business, and more effectively reach customers by working with ImageWorks. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company. And ImageWorks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a free review of your website. Yes, ImageWorks will tell you how your website can be even better, free of charge. You have nothing to lose. Take advantage of this free offer. Go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact, near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. That's imageworkscreative.com. Image, one word, works, plural, creative.com. Imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. You could also call or text the owner of Imageworks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703 928 7309. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. But ImageWorks will take your business to the next level and make you more money. ImageWorks is located in the DMV, but ImageWorks can work with a business anywhere in the country. Take advantage of the free offer. Go to ImageWorksCreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner. Make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast and get a free review of your website. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All 
All right, so did you see what the Commanders announced on Wednesday morning? Uh, you cannot make this stuff up. The Commanders on Wednesday morning, in the midst of their financial scandal, having been taken to a whole new level on Tuesday via that letter that was sent by Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform to the Federal Trade Commission, announced that, quote, social media influencer and content creator Katie Feeney will be the team's first ever Commander's Social media correspondent. As part of this partnership, Feeney will serve as an extension of the commander's social media presence, providing team coverage and content to her 10 plus million total social media followers with the ever-growing importance of brand authenticity on social media. The team is expanding its social media reach through influencers and content creators to help amplify fan engagement with the organization, this season-long partnership between an NFL team and a social media content creator is believed to be the first of its kind in the NFL. End quote. I love it. Social media influencer. We should all be so lucky to ultimately become social media influencers. Uh, now, uh, I have no problem with the commanders striking this deal with Katie Feeney. Uh, more power to the commanders, more power to Katie. But the commanders, in this like ultra oblivious way, put this announcement out on Twitter, which, as we all know by now, is a cesspool of negativity and sarcasm and snark. Uh, Katie Feeney, in case you do not know, is a Maryland native. She is a longtime fan of the team, now known as the Commanders, and she is young. Uh, she is a freshman at Penn State University. Uh, she is a young woman. She is, uh, how can I say this, uh, photogenic? Can we say it that way? Yeah, she's photogenic. And so the jokes and the comments uh, just wrote themselves on Twitter, okay? Among the many, and I mean many, comments on Twitter to the Commanders' tweet of this news. Uh, one tweet. Excited for Dan to sell the team. Another tweet. Is she good at accounting? <laughs> Another tweet. Dan Snyder must have handpicked her, it appears. Another tweet. Why is this news? Another tweet. As long as she doesn't do TikTok dances on Sean Taylor's memorial, I think we'll be good. Uh, that would be a reference to Jackson Mahomes, brother of Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, in case you do not know. Uh, another tweet. Off to a great start by not including her Twitter handle in this tweet. And then another tweet. Keep her away from Dan. <laughs> you get the idea with the nature of the responses to this announcement. And again. I have no problem with the commanders hiring Katie. I have no problem with the commanders making this announcement. I just found the whole thing funny, okay? Because the commanders right now cannot get away from scandal. The workplace misconduct scandal, the financial scandal, congressional involvement in these scandals, uh, what these scandals could mean for Dan Snyder's ownership of the team, no matter what the team does, no matter how hard the team tries, everything, it feels like, comes back to 
the scandals. You know, the Commanders on Tuesday morning announced their new broadcast partnership with iHeartMedia. Uh, Rod Rivera and Jason Wright went on a bunch of iHeartMedia radio stations. So the Commanders tried to make a big deal of this, as by the way, they should have, uh, because a football team should try to work well with its flagship radio station, unlike what the Redskins did with the Team 980, which the Redskins actually owned, uh, but I digress. But anyway, uh, the Commanders had this big announcement on Tuesday morning, and the announcement ended up being completely buried on Tuesday afternoon by the news of the House Oversight Committee having detailed the financial scandal allegations to the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Again, no matter what the team does, no matter how hard the team tries, everything it feels like comes back to the scandals. Ron Rivera months ago said that the announcement of the new name, Commanders, was a chance to start fresh and to move forward and to look ahead. Uh, Yeah, so much for all of that. Uh, No matter what the team does, no matter how hard the team tries, everything it feels like comes back to the scandals. And there are several reasons for why things keep coming back to the scandals, but probably the biggest reason is that the scandals ultimately are about the owner, Dan Snyder, who just may be the single most despised person in all of major professional sports. And, you know, I don't like talking about a person being despised, okay? I don't like talking about a person being hated, Uh, saying that you despise someone or hate someone is a harsh thing to say. And I know for me personally, I've always looked at Dan Snyder as like, hey, I don't know him personally, okay? Uh, I have spoken with Dan Snyder, but only a few times. I can't vouch for what is in his heart. Uh, I don't know truly what kind of a father Dan is, what kind of a husband Dan is, what kind of a son Dan was, uh, what kind of a brother Dan is. I do know, though, uh, that Dan has done a terrible job as owner of the team. I mean, that's not debatable. And I do know that a number of people who have worked for the team during his tenure as owner of the team have horror stories of having worked for him and having worked for the team. And so I, like most of you, would love for Dan to no longer be the owner of the team. I mean, enough is enough, okay? He has been the owner of the team since May 1999. His ownership tenure has been a debacle. He can go enjoy the rest of his life on his super yacht, okay? He would be just fine were he to be ousted as owner of the Commanders. But yeah, uh, it's time to go, okay? But of course, ousting Dan as owner of the Commanders isn't as simple as it being time to go. Uh, there must be validity, to these allegations. You know, you can't just oust someone based on allegations. Now, you certainly could argue that we know enough about the workplace misconduct scandal to know that there's enough validity in that scandal to warrant him being ousted as owner of the commanders. But what really seems like it could do the trick is this financial scandal. Is this alleged financial impropriety? The details provided to the House Oversight Committee by the whistleblower in the scandal, Jason Friedman, are jarring, okay? And it is these details that we saw and discussed off the letter from the House Oversight Committee to the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Jason Friedman worked for the Commander's franchise for 24 plus years, March 1996 to October 2020. The allegations at their core or about the commanders having cooked books and moved money to where the team stole money from fans and from other NFL teams. 
The other NFL owners may not care much about sexual harassment, okay? The other NFL owners may not care much about money taken from you, the fan, but the other NFL owners sure as heck care about their money. And if it's true that the commanders hid ticket revenue that was supposed to have been shared with the NFL, I do believe that that is something that could cause the other NFL owners to turn on Dan. It is the NFL owners who truly run the NFL. It is not the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, who truly runs the NFL. It is the NFL owners. And so if the NFL owners want someone gone, then that person be gone. The NFL is like the mafia. You as an owner are a made guy until you're not a made guy. And once you're no longer a made guy, you're done. You're finished. But there's something else to be thinking about here with this alleged financial impropriety by the commanders. So one of the key takeaways for me from the letter from the House Oversight Committee to the Federal Trade Commission is that Jason Friedman made it clear to Congress that Dan Snyder knew what was going on and in fact ordered for what was going on to go on. Uh, Now, this is all alleged. Nothing is definite. But if everything that Jason Friedman is saying is true, and Dan and the team did do all of this stuff, and Dan, in fact, ordered for this stuff to be done, then Dan losing the commanders may be the least of his worries. What if Dan Snyder is guilty of criminal conduct? What if it ends up being that Dan Snyder and others committed a crime or crimes in all of this? What if Dan Snyder ends up going to jail? I want you to take a listen to something. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk was on the Dan Patrick Show on Wednesday. Now, I know we're talking about Mike Florio, who I call fake news Florio. Uh, Mike Florio despises Dan Snyder with a passion. Uh, Mike Florio and his site, Pro Football Talk, for years have gone out of the way to bash the team now known as the commanders. And I have called out Florio and Pro Football Talk for this many times. I've been one of the few people who has consistently called out Florio and Pro Football Talk for this. But as I have also said, Florio isn't a dummy, okay? He is a lawyer. He does understand a lot of the legal stuff with the NFL better than most people. Take a listen to what Mike Florio said to Dan Patrick on Wednesday. Summarize the latest scandal with the Washington commanders. People could go to jail. How about that? And it took a turn. We've seen it unfold over the past few days. And I think one of the realities is with the Washington commanders, there's been this drip, drip, drip for the past couple of years and nothing ever happens. So we think that each new story is just another drip that's not going to cause anything to happen. Yesterday was different. Yesterday was a congressional committee referring to a federal agency with copies to the attorneys general from three states with jurisdiction over the Washington commanders claims that the organization engaged in two types of financial fraud. One, that the team shorted revenue that should have gone to the league for distribution to all teams. That's troubling. And again, these are allegations, but they're made by somebody who worked for the team for 24 years. The other allegation, which could result in criminal prosecution, the idea that they had 
a deliberate scam in place. Again, allegedly, I'm not looking to get sued today or any day for that matter. But the notion that they were keeping security deposits made by their best customers, the people who bought season tickets year in and year out, no matter how crappy the team was, they kept coming back. And there was supposedly some sort of a scam to keep their security deposits, to make it very difficult to get them back. So people just say, screw it, I'm going to quit trying. That to me is the thing that could launch a prosecution, grand juries, indictments, and you work your way up to the ladder until you get to the very top. And all of a sudden, Daniel Snyder's got a lot more to worry about than losing his team. So how about that? And I don't. Those are the words of Mike Florio. Fake news, Florio. We as fans of the team, now known as the Commanders, should always be leery of what Mike Florio says about our team. But just because Florio is biased against our team doesn't mean that he's always wrong about our team. And what Florio laid out there in terms of reason to believe that criminal prosecution could be coming via this alleged financial impropriety Isn't that outrageous? Now, ultimately, do I believe that Dan Snyder is going to go to prison over all of this? Uh, No, I do not believe that. If for no other reason, then Dan is filthy rich and he has super expensive and highly credentialed lawyers. And so I would be rather surprised if Dan ultimately ends up going to prison, if Dan ultimately ends up going to jail, if Dan ultimately ends up going to the Hooskow. But just that that notion is out there, that Dan Snyder could go to prison, okay? Just that that notion is out there and that it's not absurd to bring up that notion says so much, doesn't it? I mean, what if all of this ends up with Dan Snyder going on trial? Could you imagine that? I mean, think about that for a moment. What would that trial be like, okay? How crazy would it be to see Dan Snyder on trial. Would that trial be televised, by the way? Could we all go watch the trial? Could we attend the trial? Would the attendance in the courtroom be higher than the average attendance at FedEx Field? I don't know. So many questions come to mind. Uh, I do know this. You can't be certain about anything right now when it comes to Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders. And so if you are certain that Dan is going to end up being ousted as owner of the Commanders, I would say you're wrong. You shouldn't be certain of that. You can be hopeful of that, but you can't be certain of that. But I also would say if you are certain that Dan Snyder isn't going to end up being ousted as owner of the Commanders, you also shouldn't be certain of that. Uh, I have heard, read, and received all kinds of opinions from all kinds of people regarding the commander's financial scandal. I have to tell you, one of the worst takes that I have heard and read is that there's no way that Dan's going to end up losing the team. You know, this idea of, oh, come on, there's no way that Dan's going to end up losing his ownership of the commanders. No way? Really? Okay, really? How do you know? That he hasn't lost the team yet doesn't mean that he can't lose the team. Just because something hasn't yet happened doesn't mean that that something can't happen or won't happen. The people who are so certain that Dan will not lose ownership of the team don't seem to understand the basic concept of him losing ownership of the team only needs to happen once, okay? 
This isn't like, you know, a quarterback's completion percentage for which an event needs to keep happening over and over again, i.e. a completed pass, okay? Dan losing ownership of the team is a one-time thing. Him being ousted is a one-time thing. It happens and then that's it. His reign of terror is over. Just because something hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it can't happen or won't happen. Now, if you believe that it won't happen, okay, fine. You may well be right. But to sit here and be so sure that it's not going to happen, no, you can't be sure of that. People swore that the name Redskins would never change. Heck, Dan Snyder himself swore that the name Redskins would never change. Uh, what happened? The name changed, okay? That which was never going to happen actually happened. So nobody should be certain about anything right now with Dan Snyder. I'm not certain of anything right now with Dan Snyder. The only thing to me that is for sure with Dan Snyder right now is that nothing's for sure. And just the fact that Dan <laughs> going to prison can be brought up and not entirely dismissed tells you everything. Up next, the Las Vegas Raiders have signed quarterback Derek Carr to a contract extension. It is a reminder to me of something with the commander's quarterback, Carson Wentz. I will talk about that something straight ahead. All right, so we're all busy and we're all dealing with inflation, but we all need to eat and we all want to eat food that tastes good and is good for you. And so that's why you should try HelloFresh. HelloFresh is great. Uh, with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your home and at an affordable price. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or to the farmer's market. You see, HelloFresh is all about convenience. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but HelloFresh makes it easy to get filling meals on the table quickly. So stop wasting your time worrying about when you're going to buy food and what you're going to buy and what you should make and what the kids will eat. Try HelloFresh. We've tried HelloFresh and we love it. Uh, just this month, we've had saucy pork burrito bowls, Italian chicken, and Southwest beef with pasta. All of it has been outstanding and healthy. And my four-year-old son, who never wants to eat what we give him, eats HelloFresh. That's the ultimate endorsement. Trust me. Also, HelloFresh will work with you. You can pick your favorite meals from 50 different weekly options. You can customize meals. You can skip weeks when needed. You can change your delivery date all on the HelloFresh app. So here's what you do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16 and use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we on Wednesday had big quarterback news in the NFL. The Las Vegas Raiders signed quarterback Derek Carr to a contract extension. This is a reported three-year, $121.5 million contract extension. Now, as is usually the case with NFL contracts, the initial number of the contract is grander than the actual contract. This contract, per multiple reports, is far from, say, the Deshaun Watson-Cleveland Browns contract in terms of all of the money for the quarterback being guaranteed. Uh, There certainly appear to be ways out of this extension for the Raiders, but this is an extension. Uh, The Raiders and Carr doing a contract extension had been anticipated for a while. Uh, The extension did take a while, but the extension has happened. Uh, Derek Carr's 2022 season was to be the final season of a five-year, 125 million dollar contract extension that Carr signed with the Raiders in June 2017. His salary cap hit for the 2022 season had been set to be just $19.88 million. Uh, Derek Carr, to me, has been a bargain for the Raiders. Now, I say this as someone who likes Carr as a quarterback. I know that not everyone is a big Derek Carr fan, but when we were having our Commanders franchise quarterback search conversations in January and February, I always considered Derek Carr as part of the dream scenario group that included Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. I know that a lot of people always talked about Rodgers, Wilson, Watson. I was always like Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, and Carr. Now, Carr is number four out of those guys, but I would have loved for the commanders to have traded for Derek Carr. Uh, He pretty clearly, though, was never available via trade. Uh, The Raiders took Derek Carr in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft out of Fresno State. He has been remarkably durable. Carr has started 127 of a possible 129 regular season games over his eight NFL seasons, 2014 through 2021. Uh, Carr statistically has been quite good. Derek Carr in each of the last three regular seasons, 2019 through 2021, has ranked in the top 14 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR has ranked in the top 10 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in yards per pass attempt and is ranked in the top 10 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in completion percentage. Uh, That's pretty good that Carr for each of the last three regular seasons has finished top 14 in the NFL in total QBR, top 10 in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, and top 10 in the NFL in completion percentage. But what I really wanted to highlight for our purposes 
as Commanders fans with this Derek Carr extension is the average annual value, the AAV. So a three-year, $121.5 million contract extension works out to an AAV of $40.5 million. Now, again, it's not a guarantee that Derek Carr is going to see all of this money, but just for sort of easy-peasy conversational purposes, we're going to talk about this extension as being a three-year, 121.5 million dollar contract extension. So an AAV of $40.5 million. $40.5 million per year. If you're looking for reasons to feel good about the commanders having traded for Carson Wentz, a potential reason to feel good is the contractual certainty that the commanders have with Wentz. Uh, The commanders acquired Wentz with three seasons left on a four-year, 128 million dollar contract extension that he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in June 2019, but that did not kick in until the 2021 season. Now, the contract only has guaranteed money remaining for the 2022 season, so the commanders have Wentz with the ability to part ways with him after just one season with zero dead money, but let's say that the commanders do not want to part ways with Wentz after just one season. Here are the remaining salary cap hits in Carson Wentz's contract. Uh, 2022, $28.29 million. 2023, $26.18 million. 2024, $27.24 million. Uh, If Wentz plays well for the commanders, and that is an if, there's no doubt about that, but if Wentz plays well for the commanders, He is a bargain at those salary cap numbers, especially considering the rising nature of the salary cap. You know, the NFL's cap is only going up and is expected to skyrocket in the coming years. Uh, Having cost certainty with a good quarterback with a rising salary cap is extremely valuable. Now, again, will Carson Wentz be a good quarterback for the commanders? Uh, Major question, obviously. But what if he is a good quarterback for the Commanders? Then the Commanders actually have themselves a relative bargain. Like, are you aware of what's going to be happening with Dak Prescott's salary cap numbers? Dak Prescott, the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak, for the 2023 season, is set to have a salary cap hit of 49 0.13 million dollars. Wentz for the 2023 season would have a cap hit of 26.18 million dollars. So Dak in 2023 cap hit of 49.13 million dollars. Wentz for 2023 cap hit of 26.18 million dollars. Now is Dak better than Wentz? Yes. But is Dak better than Wentz to where Dak's cap hit for the 2023 season should be nearly $23 million more than Wentz's cap hit? Uh, How about the 2024 season? Dak for the 2024 season is set to have a salary cap hit of $52.13 million. Wentz for the 2024 season would have a cap hit of 27.24 million dollars. Uh, again, Dak is better than Wentz. I would rather have Dak 
than have Wentz. But is Dak better than Wentz to where Dak's cap hit for the 2024 season should be nearly $25 million more than Wentz's cap hit? Uh, This all comes down to how Carson Wentz does as a commander's quarterback, no doubt. If he's bad, if he's a bust, then these relative bargain numbers don't matter. But if Wentz plays well for the commanders, if he, wait for it, takes command for the commanders, uh, then the commanders will have themselves a starting quarterback, a QB1, on a very nice contract for multiple seasons. And this to me is something to be thinking about of this Derek Carr contract extension with the Raiders. Well, among the many sayings in baseball is that you can't win a pennant in April, but you can lose a pennant in April. The idea being you can't clinch anything in April, uh, no matter how well you do. But if you in April get off to a really bad start, you can get buried to where you never can catch up. Now, nobody, and I mean nobody, has delusions of the Nationals winning the National League pennant this season of their 97-loss regular season last season, but the potential existed for the Nats to get buried in the beginning of their 2022 regular season, which they're beginning with 18 games in 18 days, including the first seven games being against arguably the top two teams in the National League East. The Nats began their 2022 regular season with a four-game series against the New York Mets at Nationals Park, and the Nats then had a three-game series at the reigning defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Well, the Nats now have completed their first seven games of the 2022 regular season, and the Nats' record is three and four. Now, that's obviously not great, but you know what? That could be a lot worse. And the Nats on Wednesday afternoon completed a series victory at the Braves with a 3-1 win. And so Nats manager... Davey Martinez, he has reason to be proud of the boys. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, proud of the boys. And you should be proud of the boys. The boys did a really nice job in games one and three at the Braves. Uh, Game two did not go so well. Tuesday night's 16-4 loss at the Braves. But Monday night, an 11-2 win at the Braves. And Wednesday afternoon, a 3-1 win at the Braves, and nothing about the game on Wednesday afternoon was better for the Nets than the performance of their starting pitcher, Josiah Gray. Uh, Off Patrick Corbin getting shellacked on Tuesday night, off all of the concerns about Nats pitching this season, off Gray having struggled in his first start of the 2022 regular season, boy, did you want to see Gray do well on Wednesday afternoon, and he did do well. In fact, he outpitched the Braves ace, Max Freed. Uh, Freed allowed three runs to earned in five and a third innings. Gray tossed five scoreless innings. He had five strikeouts. Uh, he allowed just one hit, which was a single. He issued three walks and a hit by pitch. He threw 82 pitches, 50 strikes versus 32 balls. Uh, Gray had his curveball working, especially early in his outing, and he later in his outing navigated his way out of trouble. Gray tossed a scoreless bottom of the fourth despite issuing a leadoff 10-pitch walk of Ozzy Albies, despite Albies having been down in the count at 1.02, and Gray tossed that scoreless bottom of the fourth, despite issuing a two-out-five-pitch walk 
of Austin Riley. Uh, Gray tossed a scoreless bottom of the fifth despite issuing a one-out hit-by-pitch of Adam Duvall on a 1-2 pitch and despite issuing a two-out five-pitch walk of Alex Dickerson. So great to see Josiah do as he did on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Gray in his first outing this season, the 7-3 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park this past Friday night struggled. Uh, He allowed four runs in four innings. He gave up eight hits, a homer, a triple, two doubles, and four singles. Uh, He issued two walks. He did have five strikeouts, but he threw 80 pitches over his four innings. 80 pitches over four innings. Uh, That is a high pitch count for a four-inning outing. Although Gray in that game did retire the first six batters he faced for via strikeout. You know, Josiah Gray can be a strikeout pitcher, which you love to see. Gray in the 2021 regular season for the Nats over 12 starts had an ERA of 531. Uh, That's obviously not great. But Gray in 28 innings over his first five starts for the Nats in the 2021 regular season had an ERA of 289 and had a strikeouts per nine innings of 9.32. Those numbers are really good. And what's also interesting is that Gray last season had success against the Braves. Uh, Gray in a 3-2 Nats win at the Braves last August 7th was terrific. Two runs, just one earned in five innings, 10 strikeouts. Gray in a 4-2 Nats loss to the Braves at Nationals Park last August 13th. Three runs in six innings. The three runs came on three solo homers, but he also had six strikeouts versus no walks. So Josiah Gray may have something here when it comes to facing the Braves. And that's obviously a big deal, given that the Braves have been the class of the National League East for years now. And the Braves obviously are the, as mentioned, reigning, defending World Series champions. Uh, Josiah Gray, him working out for the Nats is a big deal in their rebuild. The Nats got Gray and catcher Kate Barrett-Ruiz from the Los Angeles Dodgers as the headline prospects and a crop of four prospects for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in a trade that was finalized last July 31st. Here was Davey Martinez on Wednesday afternoon during his postgame session with reporters on Josiah Gray. He's actually, you know, for me, he, he's understanding how to pitch, not just throwing throwing the baseball. He understands, uh, you know, certain situations, what he needs to do to get outs, and um, and that's that's a good thing. I mean, you know, last year he threw the ball hard. We all knew that. Sometimes he fell in love with his breaking ball, you know, and, and got away from his fastball. Now he's u- utilizing both and throwing them both in and out, you know, and uh, th- you know throwing two uh, zero breaking balls for strikes. So, um, and that's good, and I, and I know that's going to help his growth a lot. Yeah, so Josiah Gray on Wednesday afternoon was good. The Nats' bullpen on Wednesday afternoon was good for a third time in four games. Uh, Four Nats relievers combined to allow just one run in four innings. Kyle Finnegan gave up the run. He, in the bottom of the six, allowed a run on a two-out solo homer by Austin Riley, despite Riley having been down to the count of 1.12. But Sean Doolittle tossed a perfect bottom of the seventh on just six pitches. Steve Ciszek tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth on just six pitches, and Tanner Rainey tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth to improve to two for two on saves in the 2022 regular season. Uh, Doolittle especially has looked great so far. Uh, And then with the Nats offense on Wednesday afternoon, I mean, look, the results weren't great, but the results were good enough to win. Uh, The Nats totaled just three runs, seven hits, and no walks, Uh, and the seven hits were a double and six singles. Uh, Michael Franco 
did have another good game. Uh, he was in at starting third baseman at number five batter. He went two for four with an RBI single and another single. Uh, Franco in the Nats two-run first, had a two-out first pitch RBI single to center field. Franco in the Nats one-run six, had a one-out opposite field single to right field. Uh, Michael Franco ended up having some series. Franco over these three games at the Braves, eight for 13 with a homer, two doubles, five singles, and seven RBI. Uh, Josh Bell on Wednesday afternoon had another good game. He was an Nats starting first baseman at number four batter. He went two for four with a double, a single, and an RBI ground out. Bell in the Nats two run first had a one out RBI ground out. Bell in the top of the fourth had a leadoff double to left field off Brave starter Max Freed on a one-two pitch, giving Bell a seven-game hitting streak to begin the 2022 regular season. And Bell in the Nats one-run six had a one-out opposite field single on a softly hit ball to shallow right field. So Josh Bell now this season nine for 26 with two homers and three walks. So Bell is off to a good start. Uh, as for the Nats, two other big hitters, Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz. Soto on Wednesday afternoon was an Nats starting right fielder and number two batter. He went one for four with a single. The single was interesting. Soto in that Nats two run first, a first pitch single off the warning track in right field of Brave starter Max Freed. You don't see that often, a single off the warning track. Uh, Nelson Cruz on Wednesday afternoon was an Nats starting DH and number three batter off having been a late scratch from the previous game due to a groin issue. Uh, Cruz on Wednesday afternoon went 0 for 4. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has gotten going a bit here lately. He on Wednesday afternoon was the Nats starting second baseman and number one batter. He went 2 for 4 with two singles. Hernandez in that Nats two run first, a leadoff single up the middle of Braves daughter Max Freed on an 0-2 pitch. You know, Cesar Hernandez began every game in this series with a single and Hernandez on Wednesday afternoon in the top of the fifth had a two out full count single through the left side of the infield, but still struggling big time for the Nats are Victor Robles and Alcides Escobar. Uh, Robles on Wednesday afternoon was the Nats starting center fielder and number nine batter. He went 0 for 3. So Robles remains 0 for on the season. He now is 0 for 15 with no walks and an RBI hit by pitch so far in the 2022 regular season. Escobar on Wednesday afternoon was an ad starting shortstop and number seven batter, but he went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. So Escobar now this season, just 1 for 19 with a single, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Uh, not good. And Osiris Escobar, remember, was quite good. He was shockingly good for the Nats as last season went on, but uh, Escobar is off to a really rough start. But the Nats did win on Wednesday afternoon, and next up for them, a four-game series at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Game one Thursday evening at 6.35. Yoan Adone will be the Nats starting pitcher. All right, we move now to the Orioles. Uh, they lost on Wednesday night, a 4-2 loss to the Milwaukee Brewers at Oriole Park at Camden Yard. So the O's end up losing two or three games in the series. O's now are just 1-5 and five in their 2022 regular season. And the O's now have to be worried about the health of starting pitcher John Means. Uh, John Means is the closest thing that the O's have to an ace, uh, at least right now, hopefully Grayson Rodriguez, who is the number one pitching prospect in baseball, ends up becoming the Orioles a true ace at some point this season. But Means on Wednesday night allowed two runs in four innings on 51 pitches and then left the game due to left forearm tightness. Uh, yes, left 
forearm tightness. Uh, not a good thing when you are a left-handed pitcher. And as you may know, forearm tightness can be a precursor to something much more serious, like, say, needing Tommy John surgery. Now, hopefully that's not the case here. It is worth pointing out that Means has a history of problems with his left arm slash left shoulder. Uh, Means last season was on the 10-day injured list from June 6th, 2021 to July 20th, 2021 with a left shoulder strain. Uh, Means in the 2020 regular season dealt with left arm fatigue, and he now on Wednesday night left the game due to left forearm tightness. This was Orioles manager Brandon Hyde during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night with reporters in a series of questions and answers on John Means. Came out of the game with left forearm tightness. So he's going to get uh, looked at, get checked out, and we'll know more tomorrow. When did that tightness kind of begin? Was that during the fourth inning that he felt it? I think he felt it in the third, and then after the fourth he said something. Um... And out of precaution, we took him out of the game. What was that conversation kind of like between you and him, maybe when... It was more of him and the training staff, yeah. What's your level of concern as of right now? Well, I'm not going to rush to anything until we know what results come back or, you know, what the results are tomorrow. So I'm staying positive with it and optimistic, and hopefully it's just a little bit of tightness he felt in the forearm, and we'll see. I'm not sure exactly what he's getting, but he's getting he's, he's getting looked at by doctors. Was there any like velocity decline or like noticeable difference in between the third and fourth innings, or was it just you know he just felt the tightness? Yeah, he just felt tightness. Did you notice anything? Did you notice anything the third and fourth? No, no, I didn't. What did you make of his outing before that? Well, he gave up two in the second, but. Uh, and put his zeros up in the first, third, and fourth. That he was his pitch count was reasonable. I was hoping he can give us a couple more innings. Yeah, and he unfortunately did not. It has been a wild last few years for John Means. He in the 2021 regular season over his first eight starts was outstanding. Uh, an ERA of 121, a WHIP of 0.71. Uh, John Means in the Orioles 6-0 win at the Seattle Mariners last May 5th. Last Cinco de Mayo, throw no hitter. Uh, But then the problems began. Means, as mentioned, was on the 10-day injured list for a month and a half last season due to a left shoulder strain. Then Means in a seven-start stretch from July 20th, 2021 through August 22nd, 2021, allowed 24 earned runs in 37 innings. He was better late last season. Means in a six-start stretch from August 28th, 2021 through September 26th, 2021, allowed just 11 earned runs in 35 and two-thirds innings. He did then suffer a blow-up start in his final start of the 2021 regular season, but Means finished the 2021 regular season with good numbers, an ERA of 362 and ERA plus of 127 in 146 and two-thirds innings over 26 starts. Uh, Means in the 2020 regular season dealt with the left arm fatigue, also dealt with the death of his father. He had an ERA of 453 and an ERA plus of 103 in 43 and two-thirds innings over 10 starts. Means was very good over his last four starts in the 2020 regular season. Uh, Means' 2019 
regular season was his bust-out season. ERA at 360, ERA plus of 131 in 155 innings over 31 games, including 27 starts. Means finished the 2019 regular season with a wins above replacement for baseball reference of 4.4. He was the Orioles' lone representative on the 2019 American League All-Star team. So for multiple seasons now, John Means has been the Orioles' top starting pitcher. Now, I know that that doesn't mean much given how bad the Orioles' starting pitching has been. It's an interesting situation contractually with John Means. So the O's took him in the 11th round of the 2014 MLB draft out of West Virginia. This season is Means' age 29 season. From that standpoint, you can say that he's a trade candidate. And I am open to the O's trading means, but he is under team control through the 2024 season. You know, this isn't a Trey Mancini situation and that means isn't in a contract season. He still is multiple years away from free agency. So I don't look at John Means as someone who you have to trade in the same way that I look at Trey Mancini as someone who the O's pretty clearly need to trade. But hopefully this left forearm tightness is not a sign of a bigger problem. Uh, The Orioles offense, by the way, has been really bad through six games. This 4-2 loss to the Brewers at Camden Yards on Wednesday night. The O's in the game, just two runs, just five hits, just three walks, struck out 10 times, went one for eight with runners in scoring position. The O's so far this season, just 24th out of 30 major league teams with a team OPS of just 599. Uh, No game for the O's on Thursday. They on Friday night will begin a three-game series against the New York Yankees at Camden Yards. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 293, will feature a special guest on the Commander's Financial Scandal, sports and intellectual property attorney, Stephanie Weisenberger, uh, a contributor to Conduct Detrimental, which is a sports law podcast. Uh, Stephanie has been following the Commander's scandals very closely. She, earlier this month, shortly after the ticket revenue skimming portion of the Commander's financial scandal broke, theorized, perhaps correctly, that Dan Snyder has been trying to hide financial improprieties for quite some time. Stephanie got a lot of attention for a Twitter thread that she wrote on this, so I'm looking forward to having Stephanie on the podcast. Uh, Also on Friday's show, I'll talk Capitals. The Caps are surging. Uh, They will be at the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday night at 7 to begin a five-game road trip. And I'll talk Nationals. The Nats will be at the Pittsburgh Pirates on Thursday evening at 6.35 to begin a four-game series. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Summarize the latest scandal with the Washington Commanders. People could go to jail. How about that? 